As we journey through life, something similar seems to happen to all of us. Somewhere along the way, we start to pick stuff up. Sometimes it starts in childhood where we feel like a second fiddle or the third wheel. In our teen years, we might experience rejection. We didn't make the team or we didn't get the grade. Then we drag that weight into adulthood and it affects us on a job, in our relationships, and it weighs us down in everything that we do. As a result, we just don't enjoy the journey of life like we should. Instead of letting the stuff go, we've gotten used to the weight. We continue to try to manage it on our own. But Jesus paid a price so that all of my failures, all of my mess-ups would be nailed to His cross. And He now offers to us a life of true and complete freedom. Amen. Well, I thought I'd bring my baggage with me one more Sunday, just so some of you wouldn't feel so left out and alone and all those other things that go on. Uh, welcome to Joy. How many of you are glad to be in the house of God today? All right, praise the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but I've always decided that church should be kind of fun, that we should have a chance to rejoice and be happy and glad, because God's a good God, amen? amen. And he's, he's for us, he's not against us, he's on our side. We have no reason to be disappointed or discouraged today, because God is a God who loves us, and God is a God who's ready to display his power on our behalf. And so this morning, I want to just uh, focus, try to focus your attention just a little bit on a couple of things today. As we've been talking about in this series, Freedom, we've spent four weeks, now this is part four, and if this is your first Sunday with us, maybe you're going to, maybe you feel a little bit like, well, I've already, you know, it's like coming into the movie at the end of it or something. Uh, as I like to remind you often, we do have... Uh, all of our services are online, uh, greatjoy.org, and uh, you can catch up on those messages, other messages, and, and make that a part of your Bible study or your quiet time with the Lord, because I think that some of the things that we've been talking about, in fact, I, I, I would say this, uh, uh, that probably the subject that we're talking about in freedom and being free from stuff from the past or, or, or relational hurts, whatever it might be, those kinds of things are something that doesn't just affect one or two, it doesn't affect affect a few. It affects every single one of us. If I look at the person next to me and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> all of a sudden, I got pretty quiet in here all of a sudden. What the heck? Usually, you're all excited to tell off on somebody else. I don't know what the, what the deal is this morning, but this, this particular subject is one that, that I think is, is one of the most important, and, and really, uh, if we would go back to the last series that we did called Filter, uh, and then this particular series, and then uh, the next series that we're going to do is called Learning to Breathe, and there's, there's a really kind of strategic points and all three of those and, and why they're coming together. And I think that it's, it's God building something on the inside of us. And so as we've been talking in this and, and saw in the little video thing and things that we've talked about in the past is that a lot of us, we, we didn't really realize that we've done this, but we've, in our journey of life, we've picked stuff up that probably is either holding us back or shouldn't be a part of our life, but it is, and it stops us from doing what God wants us to do. And it isn't that, I don't think that, that most of us were, were like, we're not missing it. This isn't a big heaven or hell issue, but this is a, an enjoying life issue. This is God's fruitfulness in our life issue. And if we don't deal with some of these things and take care of some of these things, they can hinder God working in our life. They can hinder God's love and life working through us to other people. And some of the things that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about where this baggage comes from and how we get free from that. And, and, and there's, there's, uh, well, 
As I say in every series, we're just scratching the surface. We, we really, really are. I hope that this kind of makes you hungry for a little bit more truth, a little bit more understanding. And, and my hope as your pastor is that you begin to identify some of these things so that you can have that freedom in your life that brings God's blessing and love and joy, not just to you on a Sunday morning or an occasional time in your life, but that it's so alive and vibrant in you that it affects the people that are around you. And we've used this scripture over the last three weeks weeks. We'll use it one more time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says this, we live in this world. Now that's great deep revelation, Paul. I appreciate that. We live in the world, but, everybody say but. We do not fight in the same way that the world fights. And as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, you understand that while we are all living on earth, we're living on this planet, that doesn't mean that we fight our battles in the same way that the world does. This is alerting us to something, an advantage that we have in our life. Verse four, we fight with weapons that are different from those the world uses. The moment you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you became a follower of Christ. The moment you said yes to Jesus and God's life entered into you, you entered into a war zone. You entered into a battle. There's a battle that, that, you know, the Bible tells us that we have the adversary, the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to stop God's plan from working and coming to pass in your life. And so you entered into a battle and a struggle. And there are some things that God says, I want you to do and I want you to be and that I want for you. And those are the things that the enemy wants to keep you from. He wants you to have joy and he wants you to have life. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have those things, but you've got an adversary that is trying to limit those things in your life. And if you want to experience joy, if you want to experience peace, if you want to experience those things, you can't try to get them the way that the world does because God's given you an advantage. God has given you something better. He goes on again, verse four, we fight with weapons that are different from those that the world uses. Our weapons, say my weapons, my weapons have power from God. The weapons that God's given to you, they are powerful, and God has given them to you. These weapons can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy men's arguments. These weapons that God has entrusted to you have the ability to destroy the strongholds or the strong places of the enemy. And I want you to, to just think for a second, ask yourself this question, do I know what those weapons are? Do I know what the weapons are? And if I do know what the weapons are, do I know how to use those weapons? Because if you don't know what they are and you don't know how to use them, you're powerless, you're weaponless. And you are at the mercy of your adversary. And that's what the enemy wants to have happen in your life. And this baggage, this stuff that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, remember we said uh, two weeks ago that, well, really the baggage comes from one of two places. It either comes from the past, mistakes, shame, guilt, things like that, and we carry that around. We drag it around with us. We beat ourselves up because of mistakes that we made, and, and, and we feel terrible about it. We think that God could never use us because... And last week we talked about relational baggage, people that have hurt us and things that have gone on in our life that, that stop us from becoming and doing and being who God says that we are. 
And that becomes baggage that we are so used to. It becomes a weight that we are so accustomed to that we're continually dragging it around with us. And God wants to challenge that in your life. And, and I want to have you challenge that because God wants you to be free from that. You are not designed to carry that stuff around with you. You're free from it. Say that again. You're free from it. But a lot of times what happens, we don't even know that we're carrying that stuff around. We just think it's the way we are. And so again, he says in verse four, we fight with the weapons that are different from those that the world uses. Our weapons have power from God. These weapons can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy men's arguments. And the picture is really kind of simple. The picture is here's your brain, here's your soul, it is your mind, your will, and, your, and, and, and all of that that encompasses the inward part of you. And you have knowledge that comes from God. You know, if, whether you're reading your Bible, whether you're coming on a Sunday and I'm, I'm presenting the word of God to you or somebody else is, there, there's thoughts of God that come. But then there's thoughts of this life, this world, your past, your present, that continually bombard you 168 hours in a week, I think it is, and, and, and every one of those hours, you've got your adversary, the devil, that is just throwing stuff at you, trying to drag you back into the past. And my intention in this is to try to give you some new thoughts, to try to give you some different ways to think. That word strong places here or strongholds in the new uh, King James or King James Version, it's a Greek word, and it means a prisoner who is locked in by deception. Living life by something that is not true. The word deception or the idea of deception means to believe a lie while thinking it's the truth. To believe a lie while thinking it's the truth. When you're deceived, a good deception, a good deceit means that you're convinced that it's true even though it's not. And that's what the devil does. That's what he tries to do. And that's what a lot of this baggage in our life, whether it's the past, whether it's mistakes, relationships, whatever it is, you're believing something that is not true. And it stands to reason then that we should take some thoughts that are true to try to replace those old thoughts. And that's what Paul says in verse 5. We destroy every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. We capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Jack, come here for a second. Jack, come here for a second. This is what I think. This is what, come here, come over here where everybody can see you. This is what I think. Get up here. Now, he's a pretty big guy. Now, this is, this is, this is your brain with God. And this is the wrong thoughts. And this is, make it give up, make it give up. Make it obey God and cry uncle. That's what you're, thanks a lot. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what, you, that's what you're supposed to do with the thoughts. You got thoughts from God. You got thoughts that are coming from this world. Or from, sorry, I didn't mean to mess up your hair. Uh, uh, I wish I had some. Anyway, uh, but that's what we're supposed to do. Take those thoughts that are contrary to God's thoughts and make them obey Christ. Now, that's, that takes work. I, I, I was, uh, it's kind of funny story, Pastor Tommy. Are you back there, Pastor Tommy? Well, he left because he doesn't. Oh, there he is. He's behind the camera. All right, good. He's trying to hide. Pastor Tommy, a few, uh, several months ago, he went into a pet store. And uh, while he was in the pet store, just kind of looking around, they had, you know, dogs and birds and all that stuff. And there was a talking parrot that was in the pet store. And the talking parrot said, hey, psst, come here. And so Pastor Tommy walks over and says, What? And he goes, you are the ugliest person that has ever come into this store. I have never seen anybody who look, you are, 
Pastor Tommy's like, what? what? And, and the store manager, owner walks over and he says, uh, sir, can I help you? He goes, well, you're, I don't even know how to describe this, but your talking parrot's amazing, but, but I mean, he's really rude. What do you mean he's rude? Well, he just said I'm the ugliest person that ever walked into this store and, and he was extremely rude, kind of a little bit offended. I don't know if I'd ever recommend anybody else ever coming into there. And the, and the owner is just shaking his head. I can't believe this. And he reaches into the cage, grabs the parrot, slaps it around a couple times and he just says, I've told you, and I've told you, I've told you. Quit saying that to the customers. Don't be rude to the customers. He apologizes profusely. And a few months later, Pastor Tommy's back in that store again. And there's the same parrot, and the parrot's eyeing him up as he walks into the store, and he goes, come here. Pastor Tommy walks over to the bird, he goes, what? You know what. (laughs) You know what. And isn't that kind of like life? Isn't that kind of like the devil? You come to church on a Sunday morning, and it's a beautiful day. It's like, I kind of wish I didn't have to go. I really, you know, (laughs) kind of, you know, and I'm (sighs) I'm really tired, you know. But yeah, all right, I guess I'll go because you're feeling a little guilty. You come to church, and then all of a sudden you're here, and the music is kind of great, and the message isn't bad, and and it's like pretty soon you're feeling a little bit lighter, and then the Spirit of God starts starts ministering to you, and you're kind of excited. It's like, that's it. I'm making change in my life, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to be, and I'm going to, and you're all excited, and then later that afternoon, the devil goes, hey. You go, what? He goes, you know what? You know what? And suddenly, the baggage that you thought you were free from, the baggage that you thought you left behind, the past stuff that you made a decision about, all of a sudden, there it is again. Because you know what? Revelation chapter 12 tells us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's good at it, and he will bring accusation after accusation after accusation and after an accusation after accusation to you. He will remind you of things you've even forgotten about to try to keep you off track. Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. That's all he can do is lie. What is the stronghold? The stronghold is deception. You're held in as a captive because of deception. You're kept locked in because you're believing a lie. Remember Paul said this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 15? He said this, I don't really understand myself. How many of you can kind of maybe relate? I don't really understand myself for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. I instead... I do what I hate. Now, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands this morning. But if you're really honest this morning, I would venture to guess there have been a moment or two in the last 10 minutes or so where you probably felt that. Or in the last week. of the, We all intend to do the right thing. We want to do what's right, but we find ourselves doing the thing that we don't want to do. And that's what part of this is about. Part of this is about how do I control, how do I take the thoughts that are contrary to the thoughts of God and begin to change them, begin to rearrange them because what happens in our life is that eventually if we're not careful and if we don't deal with these strong places, these strongholds in our life, they're gonna hold us captive and keep us captive and eventually we become a slave to those things. Paul said this in in the book of Romans chapter six. And he said in, in verse 16, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose, everybody say choose, whatever you choose to obey. Now, this is where what we would consider slavery or understand as slavery is a little bit different. 
Because this slavery, you choose to enter into it. This is your choice. You have a choice to be free or to be a slave. This isn't because of mom or dad or grandma, grandpa. It's not because of the government. It's not because of a UFO. It's not because of your past. It's not because God's not good enough. It's not because God's mad at you. It's because of a choice. What does he say? Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? This is a different kind of slavery. He says, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You have the choice. And so when it comes to freedom in your life, you've got a choice about it. You have a say in this, which is why I have said repeatedly that many people think that this is just who I am. This is just the way that I am. But when that thinking starts to attach itself to you as a stronghold, guess what? You've become a slave. You've become a slave. So how do I know that I'm falling into, how do I know that this stronghold has attached itself to me? Well, well one of the first things that happens is that, is that it becomes a part of your identity. It becomes a part of who you are. You're just so accustomed to this. Well, I'm just an angry, crabby person. No, you're an angry, crabby person because you choose to be. It's your choice because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is one of the fruit of the spirit that he's put on the inside of you. Oh, well, that's just the way I am. No, it's not. See, you've been held captive because of a choice. God says, this is who you are. And you're saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. What happens? You've begun to lose your identity. You've become, this has become a part of your identity that he wants to free you from. And then after that, after it becomes a part of your identity, you begin to lose your life. Not, not your physical life, not your natural life, but Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to, he's saying, I want you to experience my life in you on planet earth. It's not life when you get to heaven, not that kind of life. It's a life that is for you today. Eternal life was birthed into your spirit when you made him the Lord of your life, and it changed everything in your life. And, and, and when we choose to not obey what God says, but choose to obey our flesh or our feelings, or our insecurities, our fears, whatever it is, when we choose to obey and respond to those things like a slave, we lose our identity, we lose our life. And thirdly, what happens is you become a slave. You don't have a choice anymore about anger. You don't have a choice anymore about fear. You respond with anger. You respond with fear. You respond with insecurity. You respond in that, those ways. Or you build a wall around your life because you were hurt relationally. Remember last week when we were talking about Terah and Abraham. It came into Terah's heart. Terah was the father of Abraham. Abraham, we know, is the father of many nations, the father of the, of the Jews and the nation of Israel and all of that stuff, the father of faith. It came into Terah, his father's heart, to go to the land of Canaan, the promised land, but he only made it halfway. And it was because, he, I believe, partly because he was not able to deal with one of the biggest relational hurts that he had ever had. And, and it was that, it was that moment, that instant, that caused him to spend the last 200 years of his life, or 200 years of his life, in the wrong place. 
And it happens to us as well. We become a slave and we can't get to where God wants us to get to and we become a slave to our feelings, a slave to our past, a slave to our fears when God all the while is saying, I want you to be free from that. So, how do we do that? We don't want to be this way. We don't want to feel the things that we feel. We don't want to be slacking or lacking as it relates to what God has for our lives. How do we navigate this problem? It's not enough just to identify you know, you know, the, the, the past failings of, of, that bring shame and guilt into our life or relational failings and, 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 and hurts and pains. It's not just enough. How do we, because this baggage is really kind of interesting. Because you could leave it here on Sunday morning and say, you know what, I'm free, I'm done. I am done with that. And how many of you know that by the time you're in the parking lot, you're pulling it again? It's already a part of your life. It's, and, and part of it is because we're so comfortable with it. It's just such a part of us. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this, we have freedom now. Everybody say now. When do we have freedom? This now means when? Now, right? It doesn't mean next week. Doesn't mean when you get your act together. It doesn't mean when you get to heaven. It doesn't mean that. It means now. Now means, how many of you parents ever said to your kids, now means now? <laughs> Not later, now. That's, I think, what Paul is telling the church. You're free, you have freedom now, not because you're perfect, not because you're so smart, not because God likes you more than somebody else, not because you've read a couple of Bible verses, not because you attend a certain church. You have freedom now because Christ made us free. Something happened 2,000 years ago that brings power to your life today, right now. Woo! But if you don't know it, Pastor Brian, I just can't. <laughs> and I know it's, I don't mean to tease and make light of, but we got to believe this stuff. I, I often ask you, what would happen if we actually believe the Bible's true? Really, what would happen if we, after, if it's like, we acted like this stuff was true? We have freedom now. Woo! Because Christ made us free, so, because you're free, stand strong. Well, Pastor Brian, that's kind of weird. Why do I have to stand strong? Because you have an adversary. Because this is an everyday battle. This is an every moment battle. There are thoughts that pepper your thinking all the time that are contrary to God. There are thoughts that try to penetrate, penetrate your, your mind and your thoughts to paint an image of failure in your life. And you have to stand strong against that. So stand strong, do not change, and go back into the slavery of the law. So here's what, what I see happen. Here, here we've got baggage, whether it's from the past, shame and guilt or whatever <clears throat> that it might be. There's this baggage. We make a decision. I'm free. I'm free. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, those that have traveled some if you've, you know, at the airport, you, you've spent the time packing your luggage, you get the luggage into the car, you drive to the airport, you pull your luggage out of the car, and, and, and you know, you're, you're dealing with your luggage all the time, and then you finally get to the point where you drop your luggage off, it's got, you know, it's, it's you go to your gate, have you ever had this where you sit down at the gate, and all of a sudden you're like, what, oh yeah, 
It's like, where's my, oh yeah, where's, where's my bag? Oh yeah, I dropped it off. I dropped it off. It's because all of a sudden, it's like that stuff you've been dealing with for so long, it's gone. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, where is it? Where is it? Well, here's, here's what I think happens in a, in a spiritual sense, I suppose. When we get rid of that, and our hands are empty in a sense, our, our thoughts maybe are freed up a little bit more. It's like the enemy's like the parrot. You know what? You know what? And it starts to want to come back. Here's what I think we need to do. How do we stand strong? Number one, we need to fill the void. Once we've gotten rid of something, we need to pick something back up. We need to fill the void that, that is now there. I've seen a lot of Christians who come to church and, 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 and they, they lay their burdens down in a sense. They lay their sin down, whatever it might be. They make a decision to step across the line of faith and say yes to Jesus but then they don't do anything else. And that creates a void or a vacuum in our life. And we need to fill it. In, in, in the book of Ephesians chapter five and verse 18, and, and you know, we could go a gazillion different directions with this one. It says, do not get drunk on wine. Now, you know, there's a lot of ways that I've heard this preached over the years, and I'm not gonna get into a bunch, bunch of these things. You could fill in this blank with just about anything. Don't fill your life with anger. Don't fill your life with fear. Don't fill your life with a lot of things that you could fill your life with. The point that I've heard preached many times is, is, is about the do's or the don'ts. Don't do this. Don't, 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 don't. But there's more to this verse than that. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. The word debauchery just means to indulge your senses or your flesh. Don't give over to that. You can fill your, your senses or your flesh with fear, insecurity, anger, resentment, bitterness. There's a lot of things that you can fill your life with. But you see, Paul is helping us understand something. It's not just enough to say no to something. It's not just enough to push something away, but we need to put something back in. And so he says, again, don't, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, everybody say instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so what are you filling that void with in your life? If I'm going to stand strong against the thoughts and against the pressure, against that gravitational pull that wants to pull me back into the past, how do I stand strong against that? I have to fill the void. And number two, I need to get rooted and grounded. I need to be rooted and I need to be Grounded. The Apostle Paul prayed this, that he prayed that you would be rooted and grounded in Christ, that, that in a sense your roots would go deep into what you are planted in. Paul said you've been planted into his likeness. And your roots should sink deep down into the soil of Christ, into the soil of his life, so that his life and strength, just like a tree getting nutrients out of the ground, his life and strength become yours. In the book of Isaiah, 37, 31, kind of a neat verse. It says, the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. When you take, and, and when you allow your roots to be deep, it causes strength so that your fruit would be born in an outward way. Last week we talked about this in Hebrews, where it says, don't let a root of bitterness spring up in you because it will defile you and it will defile others. What happens? You're sinking your roots into bitterness. You're sinking your, you're sinking your roots into unforgiveness and, and, and hate and all of those other things. And that bears fruit in you that affects you and it affects other people. 
Paul said, the writer of Hebrews said, don't do that. But the same principle is true. If you will take the time to be rooted and grounded in Christ, rooted and grounded in love, and sink your roots into that, you'll draw the life and nourishment from the spirit and the presence of God that will do something in you that produces fruit in you that will bless you and bless others around you. So again, what do you fill the void with? If you don't don't fill that void with something, you'll never ever get to taste the true freedom that he wants you to, to, to feel. So here's a couple of things you can fill the void with. Number one, and this should be obvious, fill the void with God's word. There is nothing better. If you think, and this is a lie of the devil, well, it's just too hard to understand. Now, let me just say this too. If you've been reading through the Bible with us, doing the Bible reading plan, you know, we're going through the whole Bible any year, we're in First Chronicles. Apparently, I'm the only one in First Chronicles this morning. But anyway, I tell you what, man, it's part of that was like four or five chapters of a phone book. Name after name after name after name after name after name. After. It's like, come on, are you kidding? And there are parts of the Bible, sorry, God, there are parts of the Bible that it's like, why is this here? Didn't we just cover this? I mean, like two, two, two books ago, I, I, we're talking about this again? And then it gets a little confusing because it's like, wait, wait, you know, because we think the Bible is just like a chronological story, but it's more circular in this way. And so there are parts of the Bible that we read partly because it's, it's discipline. It, it, it's something that we need. We need that spiritual discipline in our life. But we also have to believe that God's word is life. And God's word is bread. It is daily bread that provides spiritual sustenance for your life. When Paul was praying and he's talking about the church he said this in, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, that the word, to make her holy, that's the church, you and I, to make the church holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. God's word, it's, I, I, I remember this as a kid. How many of you ever remember a commercial? It was a laundry detergent commercial, and, and the laundry, laundry detergent was biz, B-I-Z. I don't know if they even still make it or not. But when there were stains, then the mom would say, oh, put it in the biz bag. Anybody remember that besides me? All right, like three of us old people. Anyway, um, that's sort of what I think about. That the word of God has the ability. It's like I, I need to put my life in the biz bag. Let, it, let the washing of the water of, of the word of God wash that stuff. And so I need to fill the void in my life with the word of God. But that's not enough. I also need to fill the void of God's word in my life with prayer. With prayer. Now, I think this, and if you, some people think this, but there are a lot of people who are like, well, I don't really need to pray. I mean, I've got everything I need. I mean, you know, I mean, I got a job, my needs are met, my bills are paid. I don't have any reason to pray because, because I'm actually, life is going pretty good. And, and, and if that's you, then, then can I just say you're wrong? <laughs> you're wrong. And that's the problem. Most people think that prayer is, I got to go to God to get stuff because I need something in my life. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is a relational dynamic of our life. That, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, great, awesome is your name. And then he, part of that prayer, your will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When I'm praying, you know what? One of the things, God, you're great. You're awesome. You're powerful. And God, your kingdom is awesome. And is there anything I can do for your kingdom today? Is there anything that your will needs to happen so that, that, that I could be a part of your will happening on the earth? And that's all before we ever get to give us this day our daily bread. We need to consider the greatness of God, consider the kingdom of God before our own kingdom. 
And what happens so often in our life is, again, we're pulling this baggage around, and the parrot, the devil, he's like, you know what? And we start to get pulled back into that. We start to get pulled back into that cesspool of thought and life, and it constricts us and it imprisons us. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says this, this high priest, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He understands the gravitational pull of life that pulls us back into stuff that we're pulling around. He understands that. Jesus lived on planet earth. He knew what it was like to be rejected and despised. He knew what it was like to be lied about. He knew what it was like to give love and to give life and to have none of that return to him. He knows what it is like. Don't you ever, ever, ever fall for the lie that God doesn't want to hear from you. Don't you ever believe, don't you ever believe that you've done something so terrible and so wrong and so bad that God has turned his face from you. Don't believe it. Because he is an ever-present source and help in your time of trouble. You don't run from God. You don't turn your back to God. You don't run away from God. You run to him. He's not looking to whack you around. He's looking to help you out of the mess you're in. Sorry if that wasn't strong enough for you this morning. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. If he understands, then run to him, not away from him. There, where? At the throne of God, we will, we, we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So I feel my life, I feel that void with the word of God. I feel that void with prayer that I'm going to the Father and I'm, I'm expressing that need. I'm expressing that hurt. I'm expressing that baggage. I'm saying, God, I, I know that you know and I know that you feel and I know that you know me better than I know myself, but I need your help. His ears are open to the prayer of the righteous. Third thing, and this is a little bit counterintuitive to us, but it's ministry. The word ministry means to serve. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 12. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil how? By doing good. If I don't want to be conquered by evil, then start to do some good. And, and it's the law of reciprocals. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's the law of giving and getting back. When we begin to give, when we begin to serve, when we begin to care about the needs of others, God has a way of making it all come back to us in ministry and in life. He, he has it coming back to us so that our needs are met as well. So find a place to serve. Find a place that, that you can use the gifts and talents and abilities because ultimately that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to move you away from the gift. He wants to remove you away from the life that he's put in you for his purpose. Just like when Terah, the father of Abraham, God said, I want you to go to the land of Canaan. They only went halfway because they couldn't get, he couldn't get past something. The fourth thing that you're going to need in your life, you need the word of God, you need prayer, you need to find a place to serve, but number four, you need to engage the Holy Spirit. You need to engage the Holy Spirit. You can go back and you can listen to these messages, you could read other books, you could go over your notes time and time and time again, but there are some things that will never happen until you engage in the Holy Spirit in your life. 
don't know if you're aware of this or remember this, but, but Jesus and his disciples, when it became evident to the disciples that Jesus was leaving, actually leaving, they began to be afraid. Because for three and a half years, Jesus had answered every question, performed every miracle, confounded every doctor of the law, told them where to get the coin out of the fish's mouth, did everything for them. And now Jesus said, it's better for you that I leave. And they're freaking out. How can this be better? And Jesus made a really remarkable statement. He said, unless I leave the comforter or the helper, the Holy Spirit can't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And so Jesus left. Jesus departed. But he didn't leave us alone. He left us with the Holy Spirit. And he's our teacher. He's the one who leads us, and he's the one who guides us. He's that inward witness on the inside of us. And we need to learn to engage the Holy Spirit in our life, not just occasionally, but on a daily basis. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.17. The Lord is the Spirit. Everybody say Spirit. The word spirit in the, in the Greek, it's, it's the word pneuma. We get the word, one of the words, pneumatics or pneumatic. You think of a, I think of a pneumatic tool. It is a tool that is, that is powered by air. And, and, and with a pneumatic tool, you can take lug nuts off of a tire that is so crusted, it is almost impossible. But you put that baby on there and the pressure of the air in that tool gives it enough power to turn those bolts but it's also enough power in the hand of a dentist to take care of a cavity. You see, the, the, the spirit, the power, the, the pressure of the air is the same, but there's different tools. And we could take that a whole nother direction. The Holy Spirit, man, he's the wind, he's the breath, he's the air. And we're like pneumatic tools, and some of us are like nut drivers. Some of us are like, you know, little tiny tools that can do different things. And, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to perform and do and work as the family of God, the body of Christ. But Paul said again, he said this, for the Lord's the spirit. He is the breath. He is the wind. And wherever that breath is, wherever that wind is, wherever that spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. You can't have freedom without that breath. You will never have freedom without his work in your life. Or at least you'll never experience it to the degree that he wants you to experience. Uh, in a week, we'll start a new series that we're calling Learning to Breathe. And it's, it's really about the presence of God in that way. And, and, and one thing about the breath of God, the wind of God, the air of God, is that wind, we don't see wind, we, we don't, but we feel it. We could see it in the leaves or on the waves of a lake. We, don't, we see the effect of it. And, and similarly, in, the li in our lives, the life of a believer, we don't see the Holy Spirit necessarily, but we see his effect in our life. Those who used to be in bondage to fear now have a confidence and a boldness. Those who used to be uh, down in the dumps and discouraged now have a joy about them. Those that were mean and crabby have the love of God because that's the Spirit of God on the inside of us, the fruit of the wind, the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. against such there is no law. That's all in you right now. But it takes the of God to breathe on that and bring it out into the open where it becomes something that people see in your life. And ultimately, that's what God wants. He wants you to get rid of the baggage. Let that junk go. Let that garbage go so that his beauty can be seen in your life. Amen.
Would you bow your heads this morning and pray? There are things that we've talked about in these four weeks that it's impossible for you to do apart from Jesus. You cannot do this without, you cannot do this without a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus or made him your savior or your Lord and you want to today, I'm gonna ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. Raise your hand. That's all you're gonna do this morning. I'll ask you to do. So if you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand real high this morning and ask for his amen, amen. Hands all over the place. Praise God. See, that's the first step. That's the first step. That's the first step. And God's gonna deal with that first step, but then it's up to you to begin to choose to fill that void with the things that we've talked about. So I want you all to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that you love me, that you've made a way for me. I believe Jesus is that way. I lay aside my past, all of my fear and insecurity, and I take up Jesus. I take up his cross, and I declare today, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior, and I'm a follower of yours. I believe from this moment forward, your power is more than enough in my life, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer. I thank you for this congregation. And Lord, I believe today that bondage is broken. I believe today that freedom is ours, not because of us, but because of you. And Father, that we can walk into that freedom from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from life to life. And Father, we believe that from this day forward, your life will reflect in us and through us to a world that needs to see people that are different, people that are free, people that don't fight with the world's weapons, but understand that God's weapons are theirs. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus and everybody said. Amen. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.